Welcome to 10 Bestest, where we sift through the noise so you don't have to. Each week we share our 10 favorite things of the moment. Anything goes. Hello, friend. Welcome to 10 Bestest. I'm Brian Hart. I'm Karen McFarlane Holman. And here we go with another episode. Yes. And kind of a back to our normal format. We had yep. a couple special episodes, mm-hmm. which were a lot of fun. I yes. love doing those. Oh, me too. But now we're back in the sun. Yeah, we're back in the, the, uh, the regular... Lovely Amazingness. Episode. Yeah, I was going to say the regular <laughs> grind, but that sounds kind of no, negative. No, the, the incredible thing that we always do. episodes. <laughs> yes. All right. So I get to go first on this one. And I'm going to be talking about this article that I just absolutely love. It is called Why Men Simply Love Throwing Rocks Into Water. With a byline, Big Stone Make Water Go Splash. <laughs> It's a Vice article by Andrew Lloyd. Men have been chucking heavy shit into things forever. From ancient Greece uh, um, to rubble chucked in local rivers, lads have always been lobbing rocks as far as they can. And now with the advent of social media, they're showcasing their talent to millions. On YouTube, you can watch excitable men drop cars, Xboxes, vending machines from a 45-foot tower just for a laugh. On TikTok, you can find hundreds of guys hurling rocks from bridges under the hashtag throwing rocks. And the comments are full of appreciative guys sharing notes and the satisfying impact. Best thing I've seen all day. It's better than drugs. Do it again. Um, or making requests for larger, bigger drops. Um, one popular TikTok video, JTM, drops a 120-pound slab from a respectively massive height into a green river below. It has over 48 million views and tons of TikTok duets. If you don't know that, it's a big TikTok trend. I can't get into it right now. What I really love, though, is 25-year-old TikToker named Phoenix uploaded one of her own rock-throwing videos, and she noticed a huge uptick in male followers. Um, She says, my content is definitely tailored towards women and queer folks. So I was just like, "Ah, this is a cute, wholesome way to show thank you to the guys that have watched her. She dunked some pebbles in and did it and skimmed one across the lake and it blew up. She got 60,000 followers in the first three days, (laughs) probably close to 100,000 new followers altogether. So it's so good. There's much more to it, but I have to stop. Definitely check out this um, article, uh, Why Men Simply Love Throwing Rocks in the Water. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And I love doing it too. Oh, how could I forget? You forgot. That's rare. Because of the rocks. The, the rocks. rocks. The rocks. I was it's so excited about the rocks. Fascinating. It is. It is. And I am not surprised at all. And the whole thing about dropping things from high because you just it's something you don't usually get to do. Yeah. So if you get to watch something fall, because we all kind of <laughs> fantasize about that. Like especially if you have some old computer that's been driving you crazy and you just want to <laughs> chuck it yeah. over the side of a building and then you get to see someone else do that. Yeah. Oh, so sad. Well, and that's, so that makes a lot more sense, right? Because that's a thing. That's a thing that maybe has caused you problems in the past. But rocks is much more mm. like barbaric. And mm. I don't know. It, it, it does seem to be 
the, when I read this article, I think what struck me the most is it hit a nerve so deep. I have loved to throw rocks into water since I can remember doing it. Like as a little, little kid, uh -huh. when I could first throw, I was throwing rocks into water and it gave me immense pleasure. Like it does feed this like caveman instinct. Mm -hmm. And they, then they talk about it in the article, which I didn't even get to, of how, yeah, it's probably part of our lizard brain that when we had to do this for survival as tribes, as, you know, cavemen of like surviving, either throwing it against other tribes or throwing it, uh, you know, uh, to a saber-toothed tiger that might kill us all, you mm -hmm. know, and, and how we did that is probably this natural instinct. And then also one person talks about the, the ripple effect and how it's so beautiful oh, aesthetically yes. into the water. But it's true. Without a doubt, my favorite thing in the world forever, and I always didn't even question it, but I thought it was kind of silly, that I love throwing stuff into rocks, especially into the water. And then I saw this and felt justified, <laughs> but it's super interesting that a gal tried it and they got all these male followers. Yeah. She went from, I think, 60 or 70%, I think like 70% women to now 60% men and 40% women because every Monday she throws, for the boys, she throws rocks <laughs> in the water and they go bonkers. They that just like lose amazing. their mind. It's, it's so it. crazy, but so true. If you ask any guy, they will free. And the duets are hilarious because the guy that throws that 125 mm -hmm. five pound rock and then they duet it, the first duet. So it's like this split screen, if you don't know what duetting is in TikTok. And this guy's like, oh, he's going to throw a rock. And then everybody's like, what? Did you say throw a rock? Like, and it's all guys. And they're like, and then they just watch it. And they're like, well, this is going to be good. And they throw it and they watch it. And then they all just clap. <laughs> and it's like a hundred duets of different groups of windows of men watching this guy throw the same rock. I love and all it. freaking out about how much they love I it. Love it's it. just, it's such a crazy phenomenon that I didn't ever think about. Mm -hmm. As soon as I heard about it, I'm like, oh yeah, guys love throwing rocks. That's amazing. In water. Well, and another <laughs> thing I love doing is the skipping rocks because yeah. there's so many layers to it. It's like, it's finding the coveted flat, smooth rock, like first off. And then it's the... Yeah. skipping it. How many skips do you get? How far do you get? Right. And then you do it again. Can you beat your previous <laughs> yeah. record? Uh, yeah. um, if you're doing it with someone else, like, oh, did you, or like skipping over and all these different ways that the rocks <laughs> skip. I mean, it just goes on and on. It's yeah. Awesome. This is another, I think, kind of primal instinct. Who's yeah. the strongest? Who's the most talented? You know, kind mm -hmm. of this natural selection, especially not only men, but definitely men are very competitive, very testosterone based and like <laughs> want to be, you know, the best, farthest, you know, best rock skipper, farthest rock thrower. Right. Uh, yeah, it's just some kind of caveman instinct, yeah. definitely hardwired for men, especially. And I hate to generalize, but it's true. This one <laughs> is 100% true for well, guys, for sure. and right there, there's sure. a piece of data there that that TikToker you mentioned. Yeah. What happened like with... Like bonafide. Yeah, the gender balance went up right. because of her throwing And rocks. what I love about that, the hidden thing that I love about this is the fact that she's, if she's talking mostly about queer content and things like this, mm -hmm. that these cavemen... Men are now open and perhaps Watching. seeing some yeah. of her other stuff and maybe learning something. Yeah.
For the little caveman brain, like me. That's great. Okay, now I know what I'll do for my next TikTok video. Exactly. <laughs> you might blow up. Just throw a couple rocks yeah, over the bridge right. over right behind us. Ooh. <laughs> Excellent. Always looking for content. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. You're that's very a, that's welcome. That's a good one. And, and yeah, I, I, clearly I was intrigued because I forgot the shoo shoo. Yeah, exactly. That does not happen very often. Nope. <laughs> so you can check all this out on our show notes at 10 slash rocks. Thank you again. You're welcome. My cool sheet, I'm going to be talking about something related to health, and this is hypnosis. So hypnosis has been controversial for many decades, but now most clinicians agree it can be powerful, it can be effective, and a very good therapeutic technique for a wide range of conditions. So if you want to learn what it is and how it works, it's too much for me to talk about here, but I have a link to the Mayo Clinic that describes it. But I'll tell you in a nutshell that hypnosis is this therapeutic technique in which a trained clinician guides an individual through a process that's designed to relax you and focus your mind. And that puts you in what's called the hypnotic state. You are still conscious. It's much like deep meditation. And when you're in this state, then the clinician makes suggestions to you who at that point you are apparently from the studies they've done, you're more receptive to the ideas being offered to you. I use this word offer. I'm not saying that you're told what to do because this is not a scary or weird phenomenon where you're under someone else's control. Examples of what hypnosis have been shown to work for one is pain control. This is a big one. It's been shown to help with a wide range of pain issues, some as everyday as headaches and others really severe like burns or fibromyalgia. Behavioral changes such as treating insomnia, bed bedwetting, overeating, probably the best known one is smoking and it works very well for children as well. Easing side effects of chemotherapy and radiation and cancer treatments. It can reduce hot flashes from menopause. It can treat symptoms of mental health conditions such as anxiety, phobias, and post-traumatic stress. The evidence that it works well in children for behavioral issues is really compelling. And I love that it seems to work especially well in younger children who seem to be more open to it. And they show that their pulse rates go down and their crying decreases. I have a lot of personal experience specifically. I used hypnosis for childbirth. I know it works and there's a whole bunch of studies that show it works. Hypnosis. Ooh, this is a really good one. I'm really glad that you talked about this. Um, yeah, because I will never forget my first and one of my only though, um, dealings with hypnosis. Cause I always mm -hmm. thought it was in high school. It was one of my health teachers, I think, which was, I thought was strange, you know, and back then I was like, this is baloney, mm. you know, totally fake. This is just what you see in movies. Right. And it was so many, because you see the watch and the, or the, yes. the, you know, the optical illusion that like, and then it's like yeah. instant and you can do whatever you can tell people to yes. do whatever and all of that. And I was like, this is just baloney, you know, it's just the movies. It doesn't exist. And then it was very different. Of course, a real setting. We all laid down in the, mm. and, and he had us kind of lay in a circle and then he just played this tape and, you know, did the whole thing where you relax. And so mm. I've never meditated before. I mean, this was a teenager. Um, so I thought I knew everything and I was very angsty right. and all of that stuff. Uh, so yeah, and I literally felt my body like rise above 
and look over everything. And I was blown away. <laughs> I instantly snapped out of it because I was like, whoa, what what's happening? Happened? Wow. And then I was done because it was in the middle of the thing. I couldn't start over because everybody was doing it. But that was the first time in my life where I was like, whoa, I don't know anything about the mm. world or my body or the mind. And it would change my life forever. It, yeah. it probably made me much more open to many other things. So even though mm -hmm. I haven't practiced getting hypnotized in any other way, it did change my life significantly. That's amazing. So, so cool. It was like, yeah, my first outer body totally didn't think it was real until it happened yeah. experience. Yeah. Like totally changed me. Well, and that's so great that happened to you as a teenager because I would expect, I mean, depending on the teenager, but if you are feeling really uh, just, I don't know, cynical about yeah, anyone sure. who's cynical, put it that way. Yeah then it might be harder, they'd be less open to it. Yeah. And yeah, it broke through you pretty easily, it yeah, sounds like. It so was that's wild. Cool. Yeah. And I was very resistant at first. Like I was like, this isn't gonna work mm -hmm. on me or it doesn't work at all. And yep, I was a believer after yes. that. I mean I didn't go like any down crazy rabbit holes or didn't like change my change my life in like where any kind of weird way. Like it's totally all for the better. Oh, yeah. Like super open minded about all kinds of things. It was great. Right. It was really, really cool. Yeah. So thank you so awesome. much for bringing that You're up. You're welcome. That great. And I really wish it was used more because yeah. like I said, so childbirth is pretty painful. Yeah. And That's it what I've heard. worked for that. <laughs> and I've, I've given birth to two children and I was able, I wasn't able to use it for the first one, but the second one I did. Right. And there was definitely a difference. Wow. And, so cool. Um, anyway, it's, it works. It works for so many things. So I just, hopefully it, it just continues. Yeah. To and it more, sounds like it's more. getting more of a, at least medically, Yes. you know, I mean, if the Mayo Clinic is now yeah. featuring it, it's one mm -hmm. of those things. Cause there's a lot of things that they thought were good. And of course have been debunked, Yes. but right. now it's nice to see that when it happens in the other direction, yes, sometimes for sure. you think is snake oil and it's like, Oh, actually there are benefits to this. It isn't a cure all. It isn't going to mm -hmm. like fix every human forever for anything. Right. But it does help a lot of people. So yeah. there's something to it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, I'm gonna be talking about a website and this website is called the Cognitive Bias Codex. So if you know me or if you've listened to the podcast in the past, you know I am fascinated about how the brain works. And one of my favorite things to learn is about cognitive bias, how it shapes our decisions, our likes, our dislikes, our entire life. It's very significant. If you don't know what this is, definitely check it out. I can't even get into that because I have a lot to cover. The Cognitive Bias Codex is the greatest single source of information I have ever seen. And that's saying a lot because I've looked into this a lot and I've seen a lot. It's a Wikimedia page that links to an insane amount of Wikipedia pages. So the, it looks like this little mind map where it's kind of, there's this brain in the middle and there's like these little synapses that fire out from the brain and it's a whole bunch of other subjects. So I'm gonna start from the top and go from there. It has four topics. What should we remember? Too much information, need to act fast and not enough meaning. And then below those, there are these sub bullets. So it talks about, okay, what should we remember? That dives down into, um, we favor simple looking options 
complete information over complex and ambiguous options. So then this, that goes deeper down into all these little subreddit pages, or the sub, not subreddit, sub Wikipedia pages, so less is better. It talks about Occam's razor, which you've covered as a former cool sheet. It talks about the law of triviality, information bias, which I've talked a lot about, different kinds of um, information bias, belief bias. Um, and then so, what I love about this is it talks about ones that I've, um, reference before that I've known about, but I want to do further study. Maybe I want to revisit. What does that mean again? And then also ones that I've never heard about. So that's even more fascinating probably. So I can deepen my understanding of self and others. Um, one, so again, ones that I've covered about cool sheets, ones that are definitely going to be new cool sheets. I can't wait. Um, it gets really specific into different threads. Um, it probably has a couple hundred different biases alone. And that's not an exaggeration. It is so vast and so big. You definitely have to check out. It definitely says a lot about how complex we are as humans and our, how our brain works, how we can make mistakes, and that's okay. But um, it's good and bad, both these biases. Definitely check out the Cognitive Bias Codex. I cannot wait to look into this. As you were talking, I was just trying to envision it and, and trying to remember everything you were saying. And I was like, no, I have to just go back and really look at it. Yeah, and I talked wow. about like one sliver of oh, the wow. whole thing. Like I said, it's literally hundreds of different mm. cognitive bias, which I didn't even know there was that many. And I know about because I have looked into this so much yeah. that there's a ton, but no, no clue that it was this many. It's so complex, so cool. Yeah. Uh, I just, I love it so much. I can't wait to dive further in. Like I said, it's probably going to be more cool sheets. It could be, you know, I could have broke it up in a whole mm. bunch right at once, but I want to get the information out there. Definitely check out this big giant yes. wheel. This, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's so cool. And I love that it's visual. That's yeah. just so helpful. And yeah. then, oh, I'm just imagining they had a great time putting it together. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they had a lot yeah. of fun. Oh. But it's super detailed, super informational. It's just, it's it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's like I said, it's not exaggerating the best source of one place mm. for cognitive bias that I've ever seen. And I've looked thoroughly on all kinds of different websites and, and yeah. places. So cool. it's great. Thank you. You're very welcome. Definitely check these out on our show notes at tenbestits.com slash rocks. My cool sheet has to do with comedy, and it is a show called Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Middle Ditch and Schwartz is a two-person improvised show that is the first long-form improv show that has appeared on Netflix. The two performers are Thomas Middle Ditch, who is best known probably for his role on Silicon Valley, that's an HBO series, and Ben Schwartz has been in tons of stuff. He's probably best known for his role in Parks and Rec, though. Here's the premise. These two go out on stage and there's a live audience and they have a conversation with those people in the audience to get prompts that they will then improv about. They ask questions and they listen to stories from the audience members for about five to 10 minutes. And then using themes and ideas from what just happened, they start the show. They jump right into it, they do not consult each other, and right away they start creating characters, they create scenes, and the, all these storylines. They are each playing multiple characters, they're using different voices, and this thing is a wild ride. 
every show is totally different because there's always different audiences, different things might become prompts. And no one knows walking into it where it's going to end, including them. So what they have done is perform three nights in New York right before the pandemic. And the three-part series of these hour-long performances were recorded and then they were released on Netflix in April 2020. So you can go on and see those three shows. It is amazing to watch these two jump between the roles and sometimes they get confused on who is playing what role, the names they made up, they use bad accents, <laughs> they get confused on that. There's all sorts of mayhem that makes this thing even funnier and it adds to the charm. I also want to throw in a little fun fact. Ben Schwartz played a cameo role as a stormtrooper in Star Wars The Force Awakens. So check it out if you want a really good laugh with a lot of this just funny and incredible that what they do with their minds and how they do this improv, Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Oh, I'm going to love this. I love improv. Oh, you improv. haven't seen it before? I have not seen it, but oh, I cool. love improv. I love Ben because I'm pretty sure Murray's going to, when he listens, is going to laugh at me because I can never remember people's names, but I'm pretty sure I know which character that is in Park and Rec. And if that's true, I do love that actor. Uh -huh. <laughs> I can see his face. I just can't. <laughs> I'm pretty sure um, that it's that guy. I love him. So it's going to be great because yes. I'm a big fan of his already. And I like improv, so I'm gonna love this. This oh, is yeah. perfect. I just, I cannot fathom what goes on in their brains when they're doing uh, this. Improv is such an amazing skill. Oh. And certainly it's like a muscle, you know, you practice it, you get better. Mm -hmm. I know that I used to think it was one of those things that I thought was just a superpower that only certain people have, you know, possess. I know that's now not true, but still, I'm not good at it because I haven't practiced and it terrifies me, but I would. I would love to do it. I know we have a local comedy club yes, here, but I'm like super scared even to even attempt it. Can you imagine uh, going up for 45 minutes like what they do this long Oh, form? no, no way. Absolutely and, not. And keeping it interesting. Yeah. And there's a flow, the storyline flows. Yeah. And they do wrap it up at the end. I just like, Yeah, whoa. no, like I said, it, when it's done well, Mm -hmm. It can be done bad, and then it's not great. But when it's done well, yeah. it is so entertaining. Yeah. Some of my favorite comedy is improv for sure. Mm -hmm. And you use it so much in your everyday life. Like, yeah. I should definitely, everybody, I think, should learn improv. It's super useful in just day-to-day -day communication with people and situations oh, yeah. and learning how to think on your feet and the yes and and the, you know the mindsets mm -hmm, even mm -hmm. like everything about it have we talked about that i feel like we it's been a cool sheet yeah when uh, we certainly talked different about, aspects yeah. of it yeah and i've played so a friend of mine has done a lot of improv yeah. and so when we go to his house we'll play yes and we'll like yeah. play some of those oh, improv cool. games Very and they're cool. really fun yeah absolutely yeah so we might have talked about when we talked about the comedy club here so, sure yeah, yeah. Absolutely, but I, yeah, I haven't heard about this. I haven't seen it, so thank you so much. Excellent. I cannot wait to check it out. If you want to check it out too, go to our show notes, 10bestest.com slash rocks. That's 10bestest.com slash rocks. All right, my next cool sheet is a podcast episode. This is called The Untold Story of Sushi in America. It's by The Daily Sunday Read. So I've talked about The Daily as a cool sheet before where they do news uh, Monday through Friday. But what they've started doing every Sunday, and I actually like this better because I'm getting a little tired of the news. The negativity, it was just too much for me. 
during COVID, I stopped it. But the Sunday read I love because what they do is they highlight one of their articles in the New York Times and then they read it as a podcast. So I love this and I've already talked about an article so I just want to switch it up a little bit because the article is great too. Actually the animation in the article is definitely, I'm going to put both links, uh, is by the New York Times by Daniel um, Frumson. And he talks about, in the beginning, God did not create a sushi company. The sushi came later. <laughs> so, so did the unraveling a controversial religion and lawsuit for the control of a mysterious asset. So in 1980, few Americans knew about sushi. But then there was Reverend Sun, Sun Young Moon, the founder of Unification Church, speaking to dozens of followers in the Grand Ballroom of New Yorker Hotel. Now, although Moon was from Korea, which makes this even more interesting, his first follow, most of his first followers from Japan. So Moon said, start, he, well, he thought he was the Messiah, and he basically started a cult. And he told them that you are the pioneers of the fishing business and the seafood business. Go forward, pioneer the way, and bring back prosperity. And he was totally serious. He was starting a religion, but doing it through food because he also was an avid fisherman. And they did. And today, here's the craziest part. Today, it is the business and grew and, sh and shaped America's uh, seafood industry, especially sushi. They still to this day is the biggest um, true world foods, which they started supplies like 80%, some mind boggling number of seafood for every sushi restaurant, like or 80% of seafood restaurants in America. This crazy article you will tell you all about it but i've run out of time definitely check out the untold story of sushi in america i have never heard of anything like this like uh, a cult based on food and then a company like all this is like wait what and then what yeah <laughs> like it's like one of those truth is stranger than mm -hmm. fiction. You would never believe this if they just made a movie about a person that yeah. started a cult religion um and then, but then turn it into a company that is responsible for not just bringing sushi to America, but 80%. Mm -hmm. So all of the mid and lower tier sushi place restaurants, so only the top tier are the only ones that get seafood from their own place. Oh. And that's why they charge so much. Everybody else gets their seafood from this place. Wow. It's wild to me. And then they, that was kind of a byproduct of how he wanted to spread his religion. They were like, well, we'll just like give them fish and, and food and, and feed them while we convert them. And it just turned oh. into this empire instead. Yeah. Yeah. Mind blowing. That's fascinating. So crazy. <laughs> also some super fun facts. Sushi, sushi was not originated in Japan. It was actually originated in China. I didn't know that. Oh. That also kind of makes sense because um, China is, you know, one of the oldest, uh, you know, continents and or countries in the world, and they've originated a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know, but I did because I work in produce. Cilantro is not from, you know, Mexico or Spanish food or or any kind of Mexican food. It originated in China. It's called another word for it is Chinese parsley. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. So, well, and I think of uh, Thailand, like Thai food having cilantro. Yeah. 
but yeah, but they originated from China. in China. Yeah, because it's one of the oldest okay. countries in the world. Mm. So it does make more sense. It's also called coriander, but that's another and a whole mm. other conversation. Um, but yeah, so so yeah, China invented sushi. Now it was different. It was a little bit different. It was mostly fermented fish, and it was mm. so again, it was because preserving things and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, also, the Japan converted paper mills uh, after World War II to create the seaweed sheets that we know. Oh. So that's super fascinating. There's so many things to take away from this article, but the main like story of this cult that turned the sushi industry yeah, is yeah. like my favorite by far. Wow. It's so wacky and amazing. <laughs> and like Wack I said, wacky is a good word. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. And the website's amazing because it's got these really cool graphics and how it animates in, but also the podcast is delightful because you can just listen to it while you're doing something else. Oh, yeah. So I'll have links to both of those. I like. will definitely listen to that. It's, it's so great. Yes. I love learning about stuff like this. Just these... these. Yeah, it's something you would never know. And mm -mm. like, no, that's the untold story of Sushi yes, in America. So, exactly. Yeah. So wild. Excellent. Thank you. You're very welcome. My cool sheet is a book, and the name of this book is The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse, and it was written by Charlie McCassie. This book, from its cover, it looks like a kid's book, but if you do pick it up, like I was compelled to do at a friend's house recently, you'll find that it is much, much more than that. And I'm not the only one who thinks so. It was number one on the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and USA Today bestseller lists. There are a few things that make this book stand out to me. First off, the entire thing is handwritten. That is so rare. And not only is it handwritten, but it's in this swirly, whimsical kind of writing, somewhere between cursive and regular script. Also, there are 100 illustrations in this book, and they are a combination of two styles. Some are in this simplistic but also that swirly style black ink some are the black ink drawings filled in with watercolor and some are full color with this very soft beautiful style so aesthetically it is gorgeous but then there's the story itself it's very meandering with sweet life lessons throughout as each of these characters make their entrance and overall i would call this a book of universal truths so here's an example, a few of my favorite pages, some quotes, and one is early on. The mole asks the boy, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the boy says, kind. Instead of giving that usual, I want to be a fireman or doctor or anything else. Here's another one. Later in the book, another question is posed. Do you think your glass is half empty or half full? And the boy responds, I'm grateful to have a glass. Love it. So much more golden nuggets in there. This book is beautifully written and can be enjoyed by anyone at any age. And it shares lessons of vulnerability, kindness, hope, friendship, and love. And I would say reading without the illustrations, it's solid. Looking at the illustrations without the words is solid. Together, they are golden. This book is called The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. Oh my, this sounds... Lovely. It is. Oh it my gosh. Is. So if you haven't got a gift either, this sounds like a great gift guide uh -huh. bonus yes. cool sheet as well. Because like you said, it's not just for children. This could be for anybody. For sure. And it'd be a really sweet personal gift to someone that they maybe they haven't heard of. Like I've never heard of this book. Mm -mm. Um, so this is great. So cool. Yes. Yeah. So I wish this book had been around when my kids were young, but it just came out a couple years ago oh, in 2019. Okay. So it's pretty new. 
And the the person who had this book, it was gifted to her. I'm guessing she's around 50 years old or so,、mm. and it was gifted to her by her. Mother-in-law,、oh, cool. and so this is totally an adult thing yeah, too. Yeah, that's so, so cool. Yeah, yeah I love that you. Could, every once in a while, you find like a timeless, special book that's you know geared towards kids or whatever,、mm-hmm. which is amazing, but is exponentially great. What's the name of that one? The the Little Prince. Little Prince. That's、uh, another one. And that one, my friend Sayram told me about that.、It、was another thing. I haven't heard of it. And then it just like was everywhere. It was one of those frequency illusion things. Yeah, but I yeah. bought it, I read it,、mm-hmm. it became a movie that I think was underrated and didn't do very well. But the book is amazing. It's another one of those like seems like a simple you know child's little fable,、yes. but it's not. It's so much more. It's、yeah. way deep. You can read it for your entire lifetime and always get something new from、yeah. it. Which sounds like you can do with this. Yeah, so cool. I'm、sure. buying it. Like as soon as we're done with the show. Awesome! So thank you awesome. so much for sharing that. You're welcome. Because I just know I'm gonna love it, and I love the look and everything about it. it. Just sounds so cool. Oh yeah! I well, I'm glad my description of the illustrations yeah, compelled you. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's yeah. I think、oh. that's what like really sold it.、Mm. I mean, there's the message sounds cool, but having it be so beautiful、yes. and just and it is. I love those kind of things because it's a very interesting. Me being a single guy with no kids, having a kids book on my table,、uh, you know, instantly、yeah. kind of makes this conversation, and then that will. Hopefully, spark someone else to、yes. learn about it that never would know about it. So yep,、exactly. I love it for so many reasons. Thank you so、You're、much for、welcome. sharing that. You're welcome. If you want to check that out, definitely go to our website,、uh, tempestes.com/rocks, and that will get you to a link that we can you can find it for yourself as well、yeah. if you want it. My cool sheet is going to be a kitchen hack. This is called,、um, and I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong because it's French, mise en place, mise en place, mise en place. <laughs> it looks like. A, Mizen place, but I know it's not right. Anyway, <laughs> I've known about this for for a while now, but it's a super great、uh, hack, is what I'm calling it. But it's a so it's a French culinary phrase that means putting in place or everything in its place. That's kind of more the more common definition that I've known.、Um, so if you've noticed on cooking shows, if you ever notice that they have little containers that are very neatly matching, but they have every ingredient already chopped and measured, and then they just so when they're talking about it, they just quickly、um, you know throw it into the pan and start cooking, and everything magically falls into place. Uh, this is by design and is actually super smart, and is a great kitchen practice. Not just for professional,、uh, not just for cooking shows, not just for professional cooking、um, chefs and restaurants. Although they use it all the time, super super. But you can do it at home, and it was kind of a game changer for me when I started cooking. I started using this, and it really changed everything because I got a little frustrated because. On cooking shows, they would just use it, and they're like, "Oh, just boop, 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 boop," and you're done, and it's ready to go, and you can prepare this meal in 15 minutes. Same thing with recipes. Oh, this only recipe only takes 30 minutes, but it doesn't talk about all the chop and preparation. But why this is so key is because when you have all that prepared, when you do start cooking things, if you just add the onion first, you chop up the onion, and then you throw it in, and then you're like, "Oh, now I got to chop bell peppers and carrots and spinach and stuff," and you start doing that. If you start doing that as the onions are cooking, it can overcook, it can burn, it can caramelize. Maybe you don't want them to be caramelized; you just want them to be sweating onions. It can—it's a game changer. But if you have all that prepared, you're in some place. Everything is in its place. Everything is ready, and then you can cook it all at the same time. It is such a game changer for how you cook food. It will make everything you do easier and better. And it's a super easy kitchen hack. Definitely check it out. Mise en place. <laughs>
I love this. I love this. Well, I've, I've experienced this, what you're talking about. I put in the onions and then I go chop the thing. And that exact thing happened. I used to do it so much. Happened. And I also immediately start thinking about all the other places in my life, in my home and at yes. work where I can do the exact exactly. same thing. This is, oh, thank you yes. so much for bringing that up because yes. I didn't get to do that on my notes. Uh-huh. Yes, this can be applied to your life and way more things mm. than just cooking. Yeah. For sure. Like it is a game changer in the kitchen, but yeah, your entire life. You know, Everything. and it can be, that's, it's, you know, it's things that we probably, some people do, putting your close out the night before doing your to-do yeah, list yeah. ahead of time mm-hmm. like all of that kind of is that same principle yeah and it's a game changer for sure definitely i have so you know i do calligraphy and yeah. i have everything that's probably the only place in my life where i do it everything in its place but isn't it like magical oh, and so you magical. feel less stressed and harmonious yes. and it's just it makes your yeah. enjoyment of what you're doing your task better and more mm-hmm. enjoyable like it's so it's yeah it's Less it's a good one and it's yeah. a cheap kitchen hack right it's free oh. it's just a little bit of time in the front yes it'll save you so much time and just like in life it will save you so much time everywhere else yes it's so worth oh it. i love it okay and i need to learn how it's pronounced i know me too i still um, do i don't know french <laughs> i would guess it's plus but yeah it's like mise en place, mise en place. i think if you do it in a horrible accent like I would, <laughs> I, like I'm doing right now. But, uh, yeah. That's great, though. Thank you. You're very welcome. My cool sheet is a side hustle, or you can use it as a side hustle. You don't have to. And it is a website, a company called Spring. As a consumer, I love merch. And really, who doesn't? But I also have a couple small side businesses and I'm in bands. So I've come to appreciate from the business side of things how much other people like merch and also how difficult it is to manage it all. The issue is that sometimes you'll make what you think is a good guess about how much to get, like how many t-shirts to get, what sizes to get, but in the end you're wrong. And then you have a bunch of merch sitting around that isn't selling. So what Spring does, and they're also known as Teespring, I think they've changed their name, but in any case, they have been a lifesaver for me in this realm. It's a super easy way for you to upload graphics, and then you select the different merchandise you want the image to appear on. And then your customers come in and they do their own ordering on demand. So you don't have to have any inventory. And they have all sorts of things that you can put these images on. They have tons of different t-shirt styles, which I love because they have women's cut and there's also kids and there's also things like hoodies and tank tops and stuff like that. They also have leggings or other types of articles of clothing that you wouldn't normally see on t-shirt sites. They also have water bottles and masks and mugs and probably a bunch more things since the last time I looked. I think um, iPhone cases and stuff like that. So you make it all available on your website and so it's super easy. And I will say that they take a decent cut of the profits. So if you have a large volume business, you would not want to use it this way. But if you have a small business or say you want to have like a family reunion and you want to do small runs for families or friend or something like that, it is perfect for this. And you can choose how much profit that you want to make from each item. So you could make it super affordable or you could bring it up a little bit, whatever you need. This is an incredibly easy way to create and sell merchandise. Spring. Oh, this is so cool because while you were describing that, I was like, oh, this sounds a lot like Teespring, 
which oh, I've always yeah. kind of wanted to mention, but I've just never had any actual oh, interaction yeah, 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 yeah. with it. And I'm like, oh, it is Teespring, and they changed your yes. name, so that's really cool. Yes. And I love that you talked about this, yeah, because I've always been fascinated by this company. It mm -hmm. is a great idea. Oh, great, like such a good one model. Of the, it's a, that's one of those game changer companies yes. that came up a little startup that became huge and deservedly so because they've helped so many people sell their spring. I am, yeah, that, that, that percentage interests me, and I wish mm -hmm. there was a way that they would, you know, maybe somehow fix that because I know a lot of people are going away and using other options, which yes. is good. It's created other companies to come up, and I'd be interested to look at all those. I've always thought about... You know, if we ever got big enough where we'd have merch for the show, that this is who we might start with. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's super cool. I'm glad that you've actually had real world experience yes. with it. So I've done it for it. my kids' science program, Science Rocks for Kids. Yeah. And now I have Griffin the Corgi Aww. merch. Yes, for Griff. So cool. Yes. Um, uh, and I, yeah, I'll be using it for other things as well. Probably my ASMR stuff. There you go. Well, yeah, so. so cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing it. You're welcome. I'm glad to hear someone that's actually used it because I've yes. been super curious. I've just never oh, had Oh, I'm so happy with it. And it's so easy. Everything's easy from step one all the way yeah. to the end where I get the mic. And that's so. what makes it good right yes. i mean the first thing you need to have is a low barrier easy and then that, that'll be successful there's so many yeah. companies that don't do that still and it surprises me so i'm glad this one's doing it right yes all right thank you so much you're welcome definitely check those out 10 slash rocks all right i'm going to be talking about a company and this company is called hue this company is amazing now Jeans are almost everyone's favorite pair of clothes. A good pair of jeans can be just your favorite thing. And it's pretty evident because more than 4.5 billion pairs of jeans are sold every year. The problem is, it's a super toxic process. There's chemicals involved that are very bad. Uh, factory conditions are bad. The health and pay for workers because of these dangerous chemicals when they're not paid enough. It's just, it's, it's always been one of those things that's kind of like, eh, really kind of bothered me, but I love jeans so much. They're damaging to the environment. There's so much petrol and so many different things. Um, but Hue is trying to change all that. Their synthetic indigo dye takes or so in, in the real world, in denim that we're using right now, the synthetic uh, indigo dye takes a toll on the environment and like I said, uh, toxic chemical runoffs. But what Hugh is doing is taking nature's rainbow to create a brighter future for the planet. So it's a biotechnology company that has specially engineered bacteria that turns natural sugars into in indigo identical dye. It does this without environmental impact, at least not compared to the process that's happening now. So it, by mimicking how enzymes in plants create colors, it is creating this indigo blue. And it is doing blue and denim first because it's such a big industry. But the cool thing is that it is also going to be tackling other colors by using this same technology. Sky's the limit for this place. It's partnered with a cell programming platform, Ginkgo Bioworks. Um, it's co-founded by two amazing women, Michelle Zhu, who's a CEO, and Dr. Tammy um, Ho, I believe. I don't know how to pronounce that, I'm sorry, Tammy. She's the scientific person behind it. It's won many awards. Indie Bio Acceleration of Biology, Fashion for Good, National Science Foundation, uh, Berkeley has won an award, Female Founders Competition, MIT Tech Review 35 Under 30, and it's one of Time Magazine's Best Inventions of 2021. It's a game changer. Definitely check it out. Hugh. 
Yay! I'd be clapping if it wasn't going to make it too loud <laughs> on the mic. Yeah. I love this, and I'm so excited to find out what the chemical structure of the dye is. Yes. Because yeah, because you likely. as a scientist, yeah, yeah, you're going to be super interested about mm -hmm, this for sure. So there could be like a metal in there, and if they either swap out the metal, I mean, we'll see. I want to see what those yeah, little bacteria I think it's, are doing. Yeah, it's talking about yeah different bacteria and how it reacts to sugar. So amazing. Uh huh. Yes. I was just looking at the structure of indigo dye recently, like oh, in the wow. last two weeks. Isn't that weird? That's cool. <laughs> what are the chances? So cool. Oh, that's so great. And they call it hue, with, but with two U's. Yes, yes. Like colors, like that's their whole yeah, thing. And genius, I love colors. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. We've talked so about great. blue before. Mm -hmm. We've talked about different colors, blacks and whites and blues. Yeah, so yeah. Different kinds. So yeah, it's super fascinating. I knew you would love it as a chemist. Yes. And colors and sustainability, mm. women-led. Yes. I mean, it's yes. it checks all the boxes. Really? Um, and oh, women of great. color. It's amazing. I love it so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. I cannot wait yeah. to see what they do. And I think oh, they're yeah. now starting to get in production for maybe the end of this year or next year. Ooh. So it's coming soon. Uh, I can't wait. Yes. I'm super excited. Yeah, me too. Thank you. You're welcome. My cool sheet is an article and this is called seven joyful alternatives to meditation. So Brian and I have both talked about meditation on 10 bestest many, many times. And so I did a quick search of our notes over the past five years. And I saw that we've talked about it about 15 times. That's quite a bit. So clearly we're both big fans and we have each benefited from it a lot. Meditation, however, is not for everyone, including the author of this wonderful article. It was written by Ingrid Fatel Lee, who is the creator of Aesthetics of Joy, one of my former cool sheets, love that website. And Ingrid describes how she had a hard time with meditation for many years. This compelled her to speak with her therapist about it, who then assured her that from therapist, professional point of view, that she, Ingrid, does have some tendencies that would put her in a category of people who would have a hard time doing it, meditating. Ingrid also cites in this article a 2017 study where it did acknowledge that a significant number of people have adverse effects to meditating. And so again, it is not for everyone. And that is okay. There are alternative ways to settle into the present moment and to gain benefits of what you can get from meditation, such as lowering anxiety, being in the present moment, and Ingrid lays them all out in this article. So she goes through all seven of them. The first one is visualization. The second one is coloring. So getting like a coloring book like that. Another one is drumming. Another one is cloud gazing, which just sounds so lovely. Also journaling, mindful walking, and I love this one. She talks about watching Bob Ross videos and she discusses ASMR. That was a cool sheet from episode 11. And of course I have my own ASMR channel. I love that. So I was really excited and it made total sense that that would be yet another way that you could reach that meditative state without necessarily the traditional way of meditating. So check out, if you're interested, this article, Seven Joyful Alternatives to Meditation. Oh, this is so cool. And I love how you tied it back to episode 11, ASMR. Isn't that amazing? And Bob 11? Ross, I think we had another video that I talked about about Bob Ross and it's like all these paintings that he had. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've definitely been a fan of him. Yeah. Of meditation, obviously, yeah, all yeah. kinds of different things. Yeah. So, oh yeah. No, I really love this because um, 
sometimes I think always, you know, the people that are like, yeah, I just can't meditate. And I always kind of come to that. Oh, that just means you need it even more than, you know, like oh, if you don't have time yeah. to meditate, that mm -hmm. means you should meditate longer. You mm -hmm. know, that kind of, cause that is a thing within the meditation universe. And, and it, for me, that's very applicable. That's very true. But yeah, it is good to know that, you know, meditation isn't for everyone and there are all are alternatives. So I do like this because even me, who I feel like I'm mostly open-minded about uh -huh. things like this, but I do get into that always like, yeah, no, but meditation is one of the ones things. Yeah, you should it's do it. It's for everybody. It's right, everybody. Right, You're right. just not doing it. You know, yeah. you can't, you got a thing, you know, you need to work <laughs> on. I'm like, no, you know, some people, it doesn't work for them. So right. if they can check this out and help them. Oh, for sure. And slow. even if it is so someone cool. who does meditate, here oh, are some yeah. options. Yeah, no, it's, it's super. And, mm -hmm. and it makes sense. Well, I think when you are, someone that meditates a lot, you're like, oh yeah, journaling, of course journaling mm -hmm. is, of course, ASMR, of course, a Bob Ross video, definitely. Yeah. But mindful walking, all of those things, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, I totally see that. In fact, sometimes I do kind of make it a meditative mm -hmm. practice. Oh, you me know? too. So, yeah. very cool. But yeah, there is some stigma still about meditation. People are a little bit nervous or scared, don't know where to start. This would be a great entry too. It really would be, yeah. Yeah, and then maybe, maybe all of a sudden you would become a meditation, or maybe mm -hmm. you won't. Mm -hmm. Either way, it's great. Yes, I love it yeah. so much. Thank you for You're sharing welcome. that. You're uh, welcome. Definitely check out our show notes so you can take a look at these and everything else that we've talked about on tedmesses.com/rocks. And thank you so much for listening, my friend. We are so glad you're here. Don't forget to, if you really like this episode or any of our episodes, share it with a friend. It really helps us out. We'll see you next time. I'm Brian Hart. I'm Karen McFarlane Holman. And don't forget to stay curious. Want to learn more about this week's cool sheets? Head on over to 10bestus, that's 10bestus.com for links to all of our cool sheets. And sign up for our monthly newsletter with bonus cool sheets and other fun stuff. 10 Bestus will be back with an all new episode next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. 